All right, if you would uh, turn in your, we have a few Bibles if you like, or you can look it up on your phone. We are in the Gospel of John this Easter Sunday, uh, chapter 20. It's after Jesus is risen from the grave. And we'll be looking at verses 19 through 31 in chapter 20. Well, today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose in victory over sin and death, and this changes everything for us. One thing that it didn't change for Jesus, though, is think this through, is that his perfect, powerful, resurrected body still had scars on it from his wounds. Why? Because Jesus' wounds have something to say to us, to you. Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. <clears throat> On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the Apostle John, for by the Spirit he wrote these words down so that we can participate in that glorious day in which you revealed your wounds to this world. Help us to ponder what they mean for us today. May they give us hope and delight. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> well, wounds tell stories, don't they? My right leg alone has at least three interesting stories to tell. <laughs> Starting at my ankle, there was this gaping wound that the doctor had to sew, show up, sew up. The story is of me 12-year-old boy on my BMX bike jumping off a ramp over the neighborhood kid lying on the ground. <laughs> I cleared the kid but crashed and almost severed my Achilles. 
Then there's the ugly scar on my knee that I shattered playing basketball. The story is I returned to Indiana University early over spring break and I played in a game of hoops and I scored the game-winning basket. And then when I landed, I shattered my knee into a bunch of pieces. Then there are the fading scars of the ferocious dog bite. I didn't know it at the time that it was an ex-police attack dog, <laughs> German Shepherd. I went to pet the dog. He went to bite my leg. I failed. The dog succeeded. In our passage, we read of two encounters that Jesus had with his disciples. The first is on Easter Sunday. Ten of the remaining 11 disciples were there, but Thomas is not. He is present one week later, and I know it says eight days later, but back then you included the day, the current day, when you counted days. So if there was two Sundays, then your total would add up to eight. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that way of counting either. But anyway, it was one week later, Sunday to Sunday. In both meetings, though, what is the focus? It's the Lord's wounds. The presence of his wounds raises questions. How come they aren't healed? Why did they remain on his glorious resurrected body? See, when Jesus healed people, he healed people, right? The deaf didn't need hearing aids. The lame did not walk with a limp. But Jesus' wounds remain. Why? God intends to say something to you through them. And so what do his scars tell us? John wants us to look at his wounds, even today, and understand that, that they are what they're meant to mean for you, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Those are the words that John wrote down to end our passage. That people of every generation may be confronted with these wounds of Jesus. Now, these wounds, they tell us three things. They tell us about God's character, God's concern, and God's commitment. First, God's character. There is a book that I recommend to people sometimes who have suffered a tragic loss of life in their family. It's written by a father who lost his son in a tragic mountain climbing accident. The author is Nicholas Wolterstorff. He was a philosophical theology professor at Yale University. The book is titled Lament for a Son. He writes, listen, God is not only the God of the sufferers, but the God who suffers. The pain and fallenness of humanity has entered into his heart. Through the prism of my tears, I have seen a suffering God. He goes on to write, to redeem our brokenness and lovelessness, the God who suffers with us did not strike some mighty blow of power, but sent his beloved son to suffer like us through his suffering to redeem us from suffering and evil. Instead of explaining our suffering, God shares it. The wounds of Christ remain to tell the story of God's character, and he is not only the God for sufferers, he is the God who suffers. Now this truth should both shock us and delight us. 
it shocks us because God entering into the world to suffer for mankind, this was completely foreign to the ancient Greeks to whom John wrote his gospel. The notion that God would come into a physical world, let alone suffer, that was an abomination. But the message of the gospel is that God has entered into suffering. Jesus is God in the flesh. That's John's point. Jesus' eternal, divine nature took on human flesh so that he could share in our sufferings and redeem us from sin. This, my friends, should shock us, but it should also delight us. Oh, that we would delight in God, whose character it is to enter into our suffering. Now, you know, many people don't believe in God because of suffering. Before I became a believer at age 29, I could not reconcile the existence of God and the existence of evil and suffering. How can there be a good and powerful God if there is evil and suffering in this world? Have you questioned like this before? I like how Wolterstorff writes it. He says, instead of explaining our suffering, God shares it. In the Bible, God will never explain why he is allowed suffering. He does tell us that he can work good out of our suffering. We've all experienced that, have we not? He also tells us that our suffering can lead to repentance and greater and deeper faith. No, God doesn't answer the big question, why, with a rational argument. Instead of even giving you a rational argument, God gives you himself wounds in all. So my friends, we must take God off the witness stand and instead witness his wounds. Christ's wounds remain. They tell the story of God's character. God is not only the God of sufferers, but the God who suffers. The fact that Jesus' wounds remained tell us not just of God's character, but also of his concern. Jesus, his wounds remain to show us that God is concerned for your wounds, your pain, your sin. He cares both for the, our self-inflicted wounds, and we have those, do we not? And he cares for the wounds that others inflict on us. Harvey Kahn was a seminary professor and author and a missionary serving in Korea. He hung out with prostitutes in order to bring them the love of God. What he came to realize was that often it's that those who are the biggest sinners are also those who have been sinned against more than others. Isn't that true of prostitutes? Yes, their lives reflect the wounds of their own sinful choices, and yet they also reflect the wounds of others, sinning against them. Jesus hung out with drunks and prostitutes, not because he condones their way, but because he has concern for their woundedness. Jesus drew near to the sinful and broken in society, and his wounds remain to show us his costly concern. God's concern also means that Jesus' wounds bring us healing for our souls. Earlier, Adriana read, Eight centuries before Christ, the prophet Isaiah foretold the wounded Savior who would be sent from heaven above. 
But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. Healed how? Healed from what? This is relational healing. We all have sin relationally that separates us from God. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. The punishment that we deserve, and we do deserve it, was laid upon him, and that has brought us peace. God's concern means that Jesus' wounds bring us healing. Jesus stood there with his scarred hands held out, and he said, peace be with you. He showed them the marks of violence. And my friends, listen, it's because of his marks of violence that Jesus is able to say to you, peace be with you. His wounds say the work is done. The violent atoning death for your sins is over. I have risen in victory. Peace be with you. By his wounds, all who believe in him have healing. That, that's how John ends this passage. He says that by believing, you may have life in his name. Do you want life in his name? Do you have life in his name? You need life in his name. Now, this is physical healing, yes, but most of that comes in the age to come. Sadly, my scarred body, I've got scars all over my body now. Uh, we can talk about that over lunch. Once you hit a certain age, you like to talk about like your wounds, right, for some reason. But mostly this is a spiritual healing. A healing here and now, and a healing that will continue on for all eternity. Jesus' wounds remain to show how costly, listen, how costly our reconciliation with God is. Jesus stands before his followers and shows them the proof of their salvation. He says, peace be with you. Have you heard Jesus' peace spoken to you? You know, not many in our society have. We live in a society where people are always telling us what? Just forgive yourself. And so if you ask people if they've experienced God's forgiveness, many just assume they already have it. As a pastor, I've had a lot of conversations that go somewhat like this. You know, my sister and I no longer talk. She's mad at me about how I handled our father's estate. What she doesn't understand is that dad promised me the paintings. So she's bitter. But I'm at peace with myself. Listen, you do not have peace until when? Until the offending party says to you, Peace be with you. There is no peace with your estranged sister until she says, peace be with you. Same with God. You can rationalize in your head how good you are or how misunderstood you are or how hard you supposedly tried. You can say to yourself, if there is a God, surely he understands. But you're just speaking peace to yourself. God says that peace only comes through his son, so if you're to have a healed relationship with God, it will be because you've seen Christ 
and his wounds for you. And you have come to hear and rejoice in Christ's words. Peace be with you. So Christ's wounds remain to show us God's character and his concern. Lastly, we see that Jesus' wounds remain to tell us of God's ongoing commitment. Why? Because we're still wounded people. People still wound us, and we still sadly wound others. His wounds tell us that that though others wound you, I will bind you up. I am your good shepherd who loves you and watches over you. So when others sin against us, we look to Christ, we see his wounds, and we remember just how merciful he's been to us. And this changes our heart and our attitude towards others. Instead of being vindictive or spiteful or vengeful, we bring our wounds to Christ. And by the power of his love, And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he produces a Christ-like love in us for those who have wounded us. Jesus' wounds tell us that God is committed to his people. And they also tell us that of God's commitment to this world. You know, the story that John tells of Jesus, it wasn't just for Jesus' day. It's for every generation, right? The message of God's love is meant for the whole world to hear. In verse 21, Jesus says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. There's a lot that Jesus probably has in mind when he says that. Certainly, though, the important implication is that for those who belong to Christ, we are sent out into this world. How? As wounded people. To show the world the one who was wounded for us. And just as Christ's wounds remain... So, too, we minister in our own wounded state, do we not? Why is this? It's so that God's glory may be seen through us. The Apostle Paul talks of this in one of his letters where he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Yeah. So where does this leave us this Easter morn? I guess it depends on whether you've come to believe in Christ yet or not. Many of you are perhaps like Thomas. You have great doubts. I know what that's like. I've been there before. We can learn a lot from him. You know, many of you, Thomas, in a negative light, don't be a doubting Thomas, they say. But actually, Thomas was an amazing man. And we can learn a lot from him. The Thomas we see elsewhere in scripture, um, in the Gospels, is one who is devoted to following after Jesus, even if it means that he himself will follow Jesus to his own death. And he isn't one who fakes it. He isn't one who pretends to know what Jesus is saying. He once honestly said, but Lord, we do not know where you're going. Thomas appears as a practical man, an honest man, who one who did not pretend. Now, I want you to see how Jesus treats a genuine doubter. He did not rebuke him. No, instead, Jesus invited him to touch his wounds. Now, do you think that Thomas actually stuck his hand into Jesus' wounds into the side? I don't think so. I think just seeing Jesus was enough. No, Lord. No, no, no. I know I said that last week, but sorry. 
Jesus is patient with doubters. He meets you where you are. And then Thomas said what no other disciples have, have yet to utter. He says, my Lord and my God. Jesus acknowledges Thomas's belief, trusting in him, and he blesses him, but he also blesses all who will believe without having the chance to see Christ's wounds. By the way, that's me, that's you. Jesus will be patient with your doubts. Perhaps, though, you doubt that Jesus isn't really, like, divine, like he's not God in the flesh. Perhaps you prefer to consider Jesus as just a man or simply a good teacher of morals. Think this through, though. If, if, if this is your view, that Jesus is only just a good teacher or a prophet, let me ask you this. If Jesus' mission on earth was just to teach us how to be a little bit better, then what was it that Jesus showed his disciples after he rose from the dead? Was it a book of his sayings? No. He showed them the most important thing about his life ever on earth. He showed them his wounds. The wounds of a, sa a Savior who died that we might have life in him. My friends, you will forever fail to see Jesus rightly as your Savior. You will fail to see that you are a a sinner in need of a savior until you see his wounds for you. So, will you believe in him today? For those of us who do believe, we come to the Lord's table. So let us meditate on the fact that Jesus' wounds remain. His wounds speak to this very day. They tell of God's character. He's not just a God for the sufferers. He is the God who suffers. It speaks of his concern. Christ's wounds by them. We are healed. Peace be with us. And his wounds speak that he is committed. He is committed to us. And he's committed to this world. His wounds remain so that you can know the story and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you come to doubters like Thomas and me and others here. We thank you that your wounds remain so that we can be reminded of our sin, but also your love and the great cost to which you came to claim us and redeem us. We praise you and thank you. Amen.